because God knows what he's doing. And if I'll just follow him, what he's initiating, uh, he'll take me places I couldn't go any other way. Welcome to the One Cry Podcast, a nationwide call for spiritual awakening. The goal, accelerating the movement of God through sharing revival truth, stories, and reports. And now, your hosts, Bill Eliff and Kyle Reno. Well, welcome to the One Cry Podcast. I'm Kyle Reno. This is Bill Eliff. We're honored to have you again today, and we're in the middle of an awesome series on people that God has used to change the world. That's right. And you know, what's fascinating is I've studied this, and we've studied it, is where the people were yeah. when God found them, and and then what, how he used them was in such a uh, disproportionate way. Sure. I mean, you know... Uh, the guys had really crummy job. You ever had a crummy job? <laughs> you know I have. You know uh, I have. I know you no, have. I have. I remember one of my first jobs. I went to work early. My yeah. my my dad did not uh, appreciate a slacker. So he would. Yeah. I was 15 years old when uh, I went to work for somebody. I was working for a home builder in the summer, and so you know I'm gonna build houses. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I'm, man. I'm, I'm gonna care. I'm gonna have my create own, these mansions. And, I'm, I'm gonna have my own, you know belt with hammer and nails yeah. and all that kind of stuff. They handed me a scraper. <laughs> and like I did, a little one or no, like no, on bro, the, let me on tell you, the, There's such a thing as a scraper on like a shovel-sized scraper. Yeah. And uh, this was my job for several weeks of that work yeah. is, you know, when they put brick and cinder blocks and stuff in a house, well, mortar falls to the ground right, right. on concrete. And uh, and it, it, it becomes really hard. Mm-hmm. And, and somebody has to go back around. And scrape that up because, you know, the person buying that home doesn't want in their garage or basement, doesn't want those things. And so I would walk around with a scraper. That's the job of the scraper. Uh, What do you do? Is that on? I didn't. When we interviewed you at the (laughs) summit years ago, I didn't see that on your resume. Well, you know, I might have just fast forwarded (laughs) a little bit through that. But we've all had that. We've all had. And we've all been at places in our life where we thought, is this it? I mean, and, and that what's so remarkable about. This study is seeing where people were, and we're going to look at a guy today, Kyle, that people know that are listening to this broadcast, but to me, he's one of the great figures in the Old Testament, and it's Nehemiah. And what's fascinating about Nehemiah was he was a slave. He was just a slave. He was a servant. He, he had no rights of his own. He was. He had apparently been faithful, or somehow had been chosen. He was a cupbearer to the king, but you know what that job was? Is you drink the cup to see if it's poisoned, and uh, that's your job. That's what's on your resume. And I'm sure that he thought he was just going to live and die like that. But Nehemiah became a man who changed the world, and one of the greatest revivals in human history happened because of the things that were in Nehemiah. So we want to look at that for just a minute. Uh, And just just notice three or four things about this this man. First of all, uh, Nehemiah wept for his nation. Now, you can't get past this, because he would have not been moved to do anything if his heart was not beating in unison with the heart of God. So he asked his brother who'd come back, you know, they were in, in captivity, 
and uh, had been carried away Israel and Judah because of their sin. And so they're in captivity. And uh, his brother came back from Jerusalem and he said, what's going on with the remnant? And, and his brother said, well, the, uh, the walls are down and the gates are burned with fire. And what that meant in that day is it's reduced to rubble. They're, they're absolutely defenseless. They are naked and laid bare. And, and the Bible says in Nehemiah chapter 1, when I heard these words, Nehemiah said, I sat down and I wept and I mourned for days. And this is important. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. So, so what's amazing here is he could have brushed this off. He could have said, well, you know, that's tough. I'm, I got a good roof over my head and I got a little job here and I got three square meals a day, so I'm okay. But his heart beat with God's heart. This, these were God's people, and, and the city was in ruin. And we got to stop and ask, uh, if, if we want to be used of God, uh, does your heart beat with God's heart? Do you listen to the news and just get mad and, and blame other people? Or do you sit down and weep? Do you mourn? because people are lost and going to eternity without Christ. So there was this compassion in Nehemiah, first of all. Secondly, that, that is remarkable about Nehemiah is he prayed, and he prayed all the time. He sat down and wept and prayed, and if you study it out in chapter 1, he prayed for four months. Four months he's fasting and praying, not fasting the whole time, obviously, but he was praying constantly about this before God moved him to the next step. If you study the book of Nehemiah, which is a great study on leadership, it's a great study on revival, it's one of the greatest books on prayer in the Scripture. Almost every chapter, Nehemiah is praying. I think eight different times. Every single major thing that he did, the Bible says, well, he prayed, or you hear his prayer is recorded. He goes before the king and he prays. He goes to the people and he prays. Uh, because Nehemiah knew he couldn't do it on his own. Well, nobody's going to be used to change the world if they think they can do it on their own. And what this means is no prayerless man or woman is going to be used to change their world. It just won't happen. All of God's great men and women, one man said, are weak people who counted on God being with them. And they did that through prayer. So Nehemiah was a man of prayer, continual prayer. And thirdly, Nehemiah was a man who moved at God's initiation. So we have this story in chapter 1, Nehemiah's praying, and it comes to the last verse of Nehemiah chapter 1, and he says, God, be with me in what I'm about to do. So apparently God moved on his heart to go talk to the king. Now you have to understand the context. If you, if you went to talk to the king uninvited, he could kill you. You didn't just walk in and say, hey, king, I want to bring something up. No, you had to have an audience with the king. But Nehemiah approached the king and the king started talking and it said while he was talking, Nehemiah was praying. 
Isn't that beautiful? Probably didn't close his eyes, didn't get down on his knees. He's just saying, okay, Lord, give me, give me grace. Give me what I need. But God had initiated that. And what's amazing is when he got in there, uh, God had already been doing things in the king's heart. And the king says, great, I want you to go. Do you need anything? And he said, well, yeah, we need some supplies. Okay, go here and you're going to get some supplies. And, and, and God, the things that God initiates work, right? Uh, we do our own plan. It just doesn't work right. But when God is moving and we cooperate with him in his initiation, it works. So we see this plan unfolding. Nehemiah goes to the king. He gets supplies that God provided. He goes and he assesses the situation. You know, the Bible says he walked around the walls by himself. And he's just saying, God, what do you want to do? And where do you want to do it? Then he builds a team. He pulls in the leaders and says, listen, this is what God is initiating. He challenges people biblically and on the basis of their family. He said, we're going to have every family take a portion of the wall. Well, there's no other place in the Bible where that plan is. It was a God-initiated plan. God obviously downloaded that into Nehemiah's soul because he prayed and said, now, here's how we're going to move these people uh, to get this wall built. And he resisted the enemy. There was spiritual warfare in his praying. Guys kept coming and saying, hey, come down here. There's a better way to do this. Let's, let's get off the wall for a little while. But Nehemiah was in such communication with God, he recognized the enemy and resisted the enemy. And he said, I'm not going to come down. I'm not going to stop. And the wall was built in 52 days, which was just one of the most extraordinary things that's happened. He wouldn't stop in face of opposition. So you say, how, how did this thing happen? This amazing thing of this whole uh, city of Jerusalem being rebuilt. Uh, well, there was a man who wept for his nation. There was a man who prayed constantly. There was a man who moved at God's initiation. And I would just pause right here to say, when God tells you to do something, I don't care if it's small or big, just do it. You know, God, I, I think sometimes God, you know, I'll think of uh, one of my kids, they'll be off when they were younger on a date or doing something. And boy, they would come strong to my mind. I, I would always see that God is initiating that in me to pray on their behalf. I think one day in heaven, we're going to see what that did. Uh, but God prompts you to, you know, call just this morning, early in the morning, the Lord just prompted me to text a guy and uh, just ask him some questions about his life. I, I have no idea why, but I knew the Lord was telling me to do that. And so I just, I, I finally come a little bit to the point where I realize God knows what he's doing. And if I'll just follow him, what he's initiating, uh, he'll take me places I couldn't go any other way. And the final thing I love about Nehemiah was uh, he lived with the end in mind. Nehemiah's goal was not just to build a wall. Now, he was just following the Lord, but but he wanted to see his nation revived. And the building of the wall was one piece of that puzzle. And when the wall was built, he called his buddy Ezra, who, like Nehemiah, had faith, faithfully been studying the Bible for years. 
And so when the moment came, he's ready. And they got all the people together to dedicate it to the Lord. And Nehemiah starts preaching, just explaining the word of God. And the Lord moved in and, and they reinstituted things that God uh, had designed. And Nehemiah 8 records one of the greatest moments of corporate repentance and returning in all of human history. These two men that God used to change a nation. So when you think about those four things, uh, about weeping for your nation, about praying continually, about moving at God's initiation, and about living for a greater purpose in the end in mind, what is it that God is saying to you about your life? You say, well, I'm not praying. Well, that's one of the ingredients that it takes to be used like Nehemiah was used. Uh, or maybe you just thought, well, I can't be used because I'm just a, a cupbearer. But look what God did with Nehemiah, Kyle. It's just, it's just astounding to me. Right. And, and we, we just keep seeing it all yeah. through the Bible, but all right. through human history. Yeah, if anybody could have justified just checking out, you know, if anybody could have just said, you know what, I'm just going to live my life, yeah, die and go to heaven, not worry about, yeah, it. not worry about all this stuff, mm -hmm. you know. And but but he let God download, and I love the way you say that. Mm -hmm. He let God download many things. One, he let God download what God felt mm -hmm. for a whole region, for a people, and all those things. And he did something with it. Mm -hmm. He went to work. You know, did the work of prayer, was willing to do the work of building a wall, yeah. willing to do the work of rebuilding, mm -hmm. you know, the spiritual climate of a culture. And mm -hmm. so it's not a surprise that God picked him. Yeah. Because he yeah. knew, like, he'll, this guy will do it. Yeah. Yes, this guy will do it. Well, across history, there's been people like that. Mm -hmm. You know, and we hope to do every time that we have these podcasts is let you hear these truths and then hear a testimony of somebody that God changed their life and has used them to change others. So let's take a few minutes and listen to this testimony. Well, hello, One Cry family. Uh, so many of you are pastors and leaders out there and uh, just really fellow servants that are passionate to see the glory of God. My name is Byron Paulus, and I'm so blessed to be the founder of One Cry movement that is expanding and growing in ways that I stand astonished. Uh, and so, so grateful for Bill, Kyle, you guys are just hitting home runs week after week and just got data today that there have been downloads in 97 countries around the world. So God's taking this message. There's a hunger, there's a thirst, there's a desire to learn and grow in the ways of God and revival. And I believe uh, that there is an increased number of people that are hearing the call of God to get engaged in ministry of prayer and revival. And that's why we're here today. John Whaley, The Rooftop Ministries. I am so glad that we get to have a conversation. Amen. It's good to be here. Thank you, Byron. And we love talking about God's yes. work in prayer and revival. We both serve on the National Prayer Committee. So we kind of our paths cross in Washington, D.C. on the National Day of Prayer, where you're very active and, and doing what we're going to hear about in mm -hmm. a little bit. And I just love the fact that you were obedient at one point in your journey and said, God's calling me out of one area of ministry, if mm -hmm. I remember correctly, into something else. So, hey, John, thank you for being here. I'm looking forward to this conversation. Amen. It's good to be here. Thank you for the opportunity. Can we start with uh, 
kind of, uh, you're from, first of all, you're from North Carolina. That's where like I presently live. Conover, is that right? I live no. in Hickory. Hickory, okay. Just north of Charlotte. Sure. You know where that is? And Furniture Land, where they build a bunch of furniture. Yes. Yeah, so cool. And um, you were in a pastor at one point? Pastor for 21 years. Wow. And then something happened. Let's let's share with our folks here. Just look at them, John, and tell them what God yeah. did in your heart. So I pastored for over 21 years, and I had an incredible passion. All those years I pastored for revival and prayer mm-hmm. and awakening. Yeah. And in 2011, I went to a conference led by Dennis Peathers okay. um, from the United Kingdom. Oh. And Dennis is the founder of the Rooftop Movement. And, mm-hmm. and so we... Um, I went to that conference and Dennis began to share the vision of the rooftop, which is helping Christians get a fresh vision of God's heart for the lost and, and began to tell the story of Acts 10. Yeah. Peter had this incredible encounter with God on a rooftop that just forever changed Peter's life in the course of the church. It's actually a revival passage yeah, right. in so many ways. And, and as Dennis shared, um, man, God just gripped my heart about the, the vision, the passion of this movement. And Dennis and I became very close friends. He spoke at the church I pastored at several times. And in 2014, when the rooftop movement was being launched internationally, he called me. I was transitioning out of the pastorate. Mm-hmm. And he said, would you pray about leading the work across the United States? Wow. And so my wife and I prayed about it for several days, and, and God made it very clear, this is where I want you to be. And, and so we stepped out as faith missionaries and trusted God to provide, and it's been an amazing journey ever since. So about eight years now? Been eight years. Wow. Been eight years, and working with pastors and leaders and churches and, and helping them to begin to see their cities, the people where they live, work, and play through God's eyes. Wow. Um, but for that to happen, there has to be that revival moment. Um, there has to be what we call the rooftop encounter. Sure. That experience of prayer where they begin to look out across their city and their neighborhoods and, and basically say, God, what do you see when you see my city? Wow. You know, where are you working so I can join you in that? And, and then the key part of that prayer is, is, in, is, God, what's in my heart that's standing in the way? What do I need to repent of that's keeping me from being fully obedient to the Great Commission? And, and, and man, it's just an amazing time. And God has used this ministry, of course, to enrich my prayer life. Yeah, but, but I love just talking to pastors and leading churches to get a fresh vision of God's heart, which is the fruit of revival. It's the yeah. beginning of revival as begin to really press into God. So let's maybe backtrack. You may have touched on this, but the founder of the Rooftop Ministries over Mm -hmm. in London or somewhere in England, right? And we we talk a lot about uh, a book by Steve Addison called Movements That Change the World. Mm -hmm. And there were five common characteristics, and you probably know these, but they began with a white-hot heart where God did something in somebody's heart that gave them a passion, that really fire that couldn't be contained, I guess. And then they got committed to a cause, as you are, to Mm -hmm. prayer and revival and evangelism. And then contagious relationships was the third characteristics, and then along with uh, uh, rapid mobilization and adaptive methods. Those were five characteristics Mm -hmm. of every major movement of God in history. So I'm going to go back to the founder. Was there a point there in his life where God just kind of... I want to hear about it. Yes. So, so Dennis, just to make it real brief, Dennis Group is an atheist. Wow. He came to know Christ reading C.S. Lewis's Mere Christianity as a young man. Yeah. And God just rapidly grabbed hold of his heart. And uh, the rooftop was founded. Um, he had led another ministry for a number of years, helping churches become more evangelistic. 
but the rooftop was founded. It really came out of a, an encounter with God in a hotel room in Virginia. Wow. And he was crying out to God and asking God, why is it that so many Christians go to church every Sunday but they never talk about Jesus Monday through Saturday? Because <laughs> wow. we know 95% of Christians never show their faith. Wow. That and, must have been back then. That doesn't happen oh, today. I'm sure, so. yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, that statistic has changed. And with me too often. But. Yes. And so, so Dennis was just so burdened. And as he was praying, asking God why, God led him to Acts chapter 10, the story of Peter on the rooftop. And basically said, Dennis, what happened to Peter needs to happen in every Christian's life. Yeah. And, and, and so really how the movement began, Dennis began taking pastors and leaders to rooftops and hillsides and mountaintops, looking at over their cities and just asking God, God, give me a fresh vision of your heart for my city. And God began showing up in these prayer events and then pastors began asking, what's next? You know, God's given us a fresh vision of his heart. You know, what, what do we do now? And so Dennis said, I will, let me write some material to help you know what the next steps are in pursuing God's heart. And that's really how this movement was birthed eight years ago um, that started with four of us and four different countries. And today is in over 60 countries. And God is, has taken it and it's just really exploded by his grace of helping churches all over the world really cry out to God for revival and say, God, revive my heart for the lost. Help me, help me do in me what you did in Peter. Break my heart over the sin in my life that's in the way of fully joining you, Jesus, in your mission. And, and then show me how do I begin engaging the people outside the walls of my church building. And we're seeing this movement um, just spread all over the world as Christians are beginning to get that fresh vision of God's heart. So I am quasi-aware of some of the places, so you have a few stories, I'm mm -hmm. confident, of maybe some of the special places where you've done the rooftop prayer, and God has just maybe just touched your heart, but uh, really, it's, it's kind of embedded within you, more mm -hmm. of this, and I want our pastors and viewers and listeners yeah. to, mm -hmm. to realize this isn't unique to every pastor can find the place in their community yes. where they can pray rooftop or whatever. So I know in Washington, D.C., mm -hmm. on the National Day of Prayer, maybe, what, two days prior? Yeah, every Tuesday before the National Day of Prayer, we do the rooftop national encounter. Yeah. And and it's and, and it's an amazing location every year that looks over the United States Capitol. God just provided this location for us. Mm -hmm. And it's an amazing time as many ministry leaders join us there Many of the National Prayer Committee come and National Day of Prayer Leadership. And it's always a unique time where God speaks in a very unique way. Um, quick story, the first year we did it at that location, um, everybody was looking out across D.C. And, and, and to the right of the Capitol down the street, there's this museum with this huge blue rooster <laughs> on top. And so we always give people time to look out and just listen to the heart of God and say, what's God saying to you? They came back to share, and everybody started talking about God pointing out the blue rooster. And the message that God gave them that day was, you know, are you as a Christian standing out like this blue rooster stands sure, out? Yeah. Are, are you being unique wow. in your witness right. in life? And, and so we've done Washington, D.C. We've had some very unique places where God has shown up in some mm -hmm. very powerful ways. I did one several months ago in Hollywood, California, with the Hollywood Prayer sure, Network. Yeah, um, sure. and, and what's amazing about that is CBS Studios gave us their rooftop to use yeah. to look out across Hollywood. Wow, and again, it was an amazing night. 
as, as people came together at the end and we have this time of sharing. And this is one of those nights where people just started confessing sin and started sharing, here's the things God showed me that was in my life that's standing in the way that I need to repent of. And it was a beautiful time of confession that led into a time of spontaneous worship, mm-hmm. singing together. And so we've had several of those experiences um, in different places where God has just spoken. Um, and we look at the encounter as the beginning of a, of a process of, of helping churches then begin to understand what does it look like now to engage the people? Mm-hmm. What is it like to make disciples who make disciples? And, and it's just an exciting journey. Sure. I'll, I'll share this with you quickly. I led one in Seoul, South Korea several years ago and at the Lata Tower, the tallest, one of the tallest buildings in the world. i never forget that one because we had a American missionary there from Mongolia. And so we walked through Acts 10. I gave them their assignment to go out and just spend some time listening to the heart of God and write down what God's telling you. And we got to the place where everybody came back together to share. And i never forget this American missionary with tears in his eyes saying, you know, tonight God broke my heart over my prejudice against the Korean people. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, and just, and, it, and then we saw God just radically change his life. So it's amazing how God takes this very simple, very simple mm-hmm. prayer event mm-hmm. that, that, and he's using it. We, we call it the moment that leads to the movement. Sure. It's that moment of yeah. prayer yeah. that leads to a movement of the spirit as people begin to cry out to God and say, God, I want to join you in what you're doing in my city. Would you break my heart for my city so I can join you? And, and it's incredible. We've done it with churches and with pastors. Uh, I've done several in Chicago with a number of different pastors across the city. It's just an amazing time. And, uh, you know, there's something about looking out over a city, yes, a community, and just stopping long enough I love what you said, just to hear God's heart. Mm-hmm. What is his heart for that city? And I just want to say to all of you out there who've been following this podcast, or maybe this is your first time, uh, they can go to therooftop.org. O-R-G, therooftop.org. And I, I've been familiar with your material, but there are there's practical materials, because you may say, wow, this is incredible. I'd love to do it. But there's practical first steps and second steps and training yes. and all those resources are there. Is that right? Yeah, if they just hit the resource tab um, and then they can choose their language. And then there's a resource called Join Jesus. Mm-hmm. There's an entire facilitator's guide that lead help you lead an encounter. And all the materials following up after the encounter. So what I love about this and anything we do at One Cry is it, it's not another program. It's not another method. It's not even the resources we all provide. It's honestly getting that white hot heart, which yes. comes when we draw a circle and we step inside of it. Say, God, would you let us encounter you? Would you meet with me personally? And then out of that flows ministries just like yes. the restaurant ministry. Exactly. Man, John, thank you so much. I love what you do. You know, we have a special partnership around yes. here with One Cry and Life Action and probably revive our hearts for all I know here in our canopy of ministries. But uh, thank you for just being a part of the kingdom, advancing the gospel through the power of prayer. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you for joining us. Well, as always, it just builds your faith. Oh, yeah. To hear stories of Mm. life change and how God uses people and Mm -hmm. 
as always, hey, listen, our, our heart's not just to pass some information along, yeah. you know, but to beg the Lord, change us, mm-hmm. you know, transform our lives. And we know one of the primary ways he does that is when we pray. Right. And so, uh, that's just one. The name of this podcast is One Cry. <laughs> right. We're trying to unite in one cry. Right. And uh, so we want to do that. Yeah. You want me to begin? And I then, think it'd be great. Yeah. So join us as we pray. Father, thank you for Nehemiah. Lord, thank you for just common people that God uses in uncommon ways. And and we're so grateful. It gives us such hope uh, that change can occur and that maybe we could be a part of that. So, Lord, I pray whatever uh, we need to do to position ourselves by your grace to be used, we'd do it. We wouldn't just hear these things week after week in this series, but we would say, well, you know what? I I need to pray. I need to ask God to download his burden into my soul for our nation. And I pray that you would make us usable and then use us to change our world for your glory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree with that, Lord, and ask that in my life. Uh, Lord, in the life of our church, God, in the life of our city, state, nation, world, I ask in Jesus' name that even now in the lives of every listener, that you would start to change our hearts and put burdens and passions and prayers and and then specific plans of how you want to do certain things. God, I I, I think I love what you said through Bill earlier, uh, Lord, he, that plan had never been established before. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was a real-time plan. Lord, we need you to give us some real-time plans. Right. Lord, real-time plans to see your work happen here on earth. So we ask for the help of the Holy Spirit in that and pray that you would use uh, people that are even listening today in a powerful way. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, as always, uh, man, we're excited that you are here today and hope you'll join us next week. If you'll do us a favor right now, just to help spread what God is saying, mm-hmm. think of somebody that needs to hear this mm-hmm. and just share it, send it to them uh, and pass it along because we want to help see these things, uh, the embers turn into a fire across our nation. And next week we'll continue in this series. Yeah. So see you next week. 